Welcome back, guys. Hope you had a good start to your week. I want to start this episode off by talking about the Jordan Pull effect. Now, the Jordan Pull effect is a phenomenon that exists in basketball that I believe exists in all areas of life. Now, Jordan Pull is an NBA player. He plays for the Golden State Warriors. He is very, very good. Golden State, one of the best teams in the NBA. He's one of their best players. They won the NBA championship last year. This year, they just got knocked out of the playoffs by the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, Jordan Poole is a crazy player to watch. He's a magician out there sometimes. High-risk, high-reward type player. He's one of those guys where coaches call it that he's got like the green light. That means that any shot that he takes like is a go. There's some guys that have restrictions. They're told that they cannot take certain shots. But Jordan Poole is free to do whatever he wants because he has this shot-making ability that is almost second to none. I mean, if his teammate Stephen Curry didn't exist, I mean, people would be talking a lot more about Jordan Poole. Now, Jordan Poole is kind of known for by like hardcore NBA fans and you know certain people in the media. They call it the Jordan Poole effect because there have been times where Jordan Poole has played better when there are pretty girls in the audience, particularly in that front row. And there's been times the cameras have caught him and they're kind of flirting with these girls, kind of saying something to him or just making eye contact. And, you know, you, you can tell that he is interacting with them. He's kind of letting them know like, hey, I notice you noticing me and I'm about to show you what I'm about. And this has existed throughout humankind, human history, where guys have tried to impress girls through sporting events or just through an endeavor whether it was hunting or whatever, right? And now they kind of term this in the NBA as like the Jordan Poole effect. Well, does that exist in jiu-jitsu? Let's talk about that because we've always kind of joked with guys like, hey, if you are a white or blue belt, I just, I wouldn't bring your girlfriend, especially like your new girlfriend to the gym. Not because people are going to be creepy and they're going to try and hit on her or whatever. We just mean that, Guys are going to try and show out, and they're going to try and show out on you. Whenever you roll, guys are going to have a little bit of target on your back. They're just they're going to go harder. And there's been a couple of YouTube channels that have done this experiment where they've brought in females into like a sporting event or into a, a competition to watch and just kind of monitored the just the atmosphere and they've kind of just looked at like how hard people are playing and just kind of what the feel is and in almost every case the games always get way more serious if it's a pickup basketball game or pickup soccer game or whatever like people try way harder this is true too i believe in jujitsu if a female comes in that nobody knows some of the guys are going to try and impress her. They're going to try. They're going to roll harder. You guys might think that's crazy. Some of you ladies might think that's crazy. I don't know if that's the same for you, but I think this is a true thing. Now, I'm not talking about the ladies that train at the gym, and I'm not even. Really ta- I'm not talking about like ladies that show up all the time. Like if you bring your girlfriend all the time, it's worn off. It's really just that like first time. You're new at the gym. You bring your girlfriend. Nobody really knows you. Nobody definitely like nobody knows her people are going to try and impress her that's just 
the way of it. And there's definitely been times where guys have brought in their girlfriends for the first time and I've rolled harder. I'm just being honest. You guys know I try to keep it straight with you guys. Again, I didn't hit on her. Nothing weird happened. Like nobody like went up to her. Nothing like that. It's just, I don't know. I tried harder. <laughs> as stupid as that sounds. It's just something that's programmed into my DNA, I guess. I don't know. Because I sound, like saying this out loud sounds so ridiculous to me. I'm like, oh my God. Like I can't believe I'm 30 years old. And I was trying to, I was like rolling harder in my profession and the thing I do every single day just because there was an unknown female around. But that's the Jordan Poole effect. And it made me think a lot about, you know, because you guys know I'm a huge NBA fan and it just, it's been brought up a couple times on podcasts I listen to dealing with the NBA. And I'm just like, man, you know, this is something Brandon and myself, we've always kind of joked about with the guys, but it, there's a lot of truth to this. Now, I've always wondered the female perception that doesn't train. So the initiated, they have a completely different opinion, right? They all know that you're going to get your ass kicked in the beginning. But if you're just a girlfriend and you're watching your boyfriend, you guys have been dating for six months and you go to his jujitsu practice for the first time and you watch him just get obliterated by an out of shape 37 year old man. That has to be a turnoff, right? Like that can't be a good thing for the relationship. And so that's kind of the other part of it is I've always told guys like, I don't know. I just, I don't think your girlfriend wants to watch you get beat up. Like I just, I don't see how that can help the relationship. Now, if you're a purple belt, bring her on in. Cause you're going to look like a stud in most of the rounds. And at least if you don't look like a stud, you're going to look pretty good. You know, you might not win every single round, but you're definitely going to get your highlights in. But as a white belt, ah, it's just not a good idea. And with the Jordan pull effect going on, you got guys now kind of headhunting you a little bit, trying to sauce you up and make themselves look good for no other reason than, again, I think it's just in our DNA. But is that a thing? Have you guys, I just want to know, I'm being honest with you guys, I have done it. But have you guys rolled harder when an unknown female has come to the gym? If a female comes in for the first time, you think she's kind of cute, even if she's not, even if you don't think that, do you just roll harder because there's a female? Because I think I do. Now, I want to talk about the ADCC Opens because a lot is being put into this. Mo Jasm is trying to make this the next big thing. This is his way of trying to move jiu-jitsu forward he's trying to make this uh like take jiu-jitsu to that next step because i understand like we need an event a marquee event that is our super bowl and adcc is the closest we have to that and mo thinks with adcc these adcc opens being a frequent thing that more and more people will get involved with it more and more people will be watching it they'll understand it there'll just be more opportunities to watch it so then when the big event comes around there will be 10 times the competitors and a thousand times the fans and i like the idea i'm just wondering how feasible this is especially considering they're not paying out any money to the professionals trying to go. So right now it's all the red. You look at any of these ADCC open brackets, 
they're really tough. Some of the, the top guys in the country are doing it. And in almost every division, there's one guy that's like a top 15 guy in the world. This past weekend, we saw Mateus Lutz make his long-weighted return. Um, one of Marcel Garcia's top black belts made his long-weighted return. He won his division. Oliver Taza has done multiple ADCC Opens. Now, I think he's done all of them. We've seen a lot of like top up-and-comers. We saw Michael Lara, one of the best guys in the gi. We saw him enter, which I thought was super cool. We've seen Big Dan do multiple of them. We've seen David Garmo. Like again, the list goes on and on. So a lot of these guys that are competing in the at the top level at EBIs, WNOs, ADCC are doing these ADCC opens. But I'm wondering, is this just a fad? Is this going to go away? Is the ADCC open just going to be the new Naga? Or is this trend going to continue where we see high level guy keep coming in? Because I just don't know. What's the point of doing an ADCC Open? There's no money involved. You don't get automatically invited. You could win. I, you could win 10 ADCC Opens, and it wouldn't get you an automatic invite. Mo's already said that. So there's no money, no invite. Is it just to practice the rules? Well, can't you just kind of do mock tournaments or even just more local tournaments? Like people are flying all over the country chasing the ADCC Open. And it just, I don't know, it seems kind of crazy to me. I just, I haven't figured out why you would go like, in, in, like what makes this better than a Naga other than it's just tied up with ADCC. But in my mind, I'm like, isn't this just a Naga? I mean, there's six minute matches, single elimination. So they're not guaranteeing you more matches. Like I wish these ADC opens would be double elimination. I think that'd be really cool for the competitors. But I don't know. The one that they did right before the actual ADCC championships in September. So that week of the one that uh, Andrew Tackett ended up winning. There were like 60, 70, 80 people divisions. Like they were huge. And it's slowly been trickling down. The divisions are still, like I said, very talent rich. um, But we're starting to see the numbers dwindle a little bit. This last one, this previous weekend was in Denver, Colorado. And... I think the biggest men's adult division was like like 20-something people, and that was the 77-kilogram or like whatever. Like uh, Maybe it was 81. I think it was 81-kilogram division. But I'll be really interested because Nakaya, uh, one of you know my students, is, is really wanting to, to do it. She thinks it would be a really good experience. And anytime an athlete comes to me with like really wanting to do an event, I always kind of like ask why. Just why do you really want to do this one? Because as a professional, to me, there needs to be a reward for going and doing it. And especially where Nakaya's at, where she's been making money, you know, competing. I'm like, okay, like, you, is there any way to get paid with this? Or is this going to be like a big PR? Like if you win this, are a lot of people going to start following you, become your fans? And I don't know, this is just too new. But she just really wants to do it because she... Obviously, like almost all the grapplers these days, wants to compete in ADCC one day. So I think it's a really good move for experience. But at the end of the day, experience will only bring people in so many times. ADCC, I would like to see those opens like start giving out some pretty big cash prizes. Maybe five Gs. Just $5,000 to the absolute winner. I think that would be super cool. 
But I have a hard time understanding what makes a promotion popular in grappling. Because I feel like the longer we see some of these promotions go, I feel like the less participation a lot of them get, even if the money's up. So I don't know. We'll see what what happens with ADCC Open. So it was just announced, on to the next topic, it was just announced that Craig Jones will be facing Felipe Pena in uh, a super fight. It's going to be in an international fight week. Uh, it's really cool for Craig because like, he's going to be facing Felipe as the main event for the UFC Fight Pass Invitational. And then later that week, Volkanovski is going to be fighting Yair Rodriguez, so he's going to be in the corner. So he's going to be there for that. So big weekend for Craig Jones. And he gets a very winnable match. I mean, we saw Felipe last time out against Nick Rodriguez. Nick's got, Nick Rodriguez got on his legs a couple times, had a really nice outside heel hook attempt. And I just think most of us are probably thinking, like, if Craig Jones gets that deep on Felipe's legs, he's going to tap him. But this is a, a very exciting matchup, and this is a match that um, I'm really interested in. I think this is a great stylistic matchup. Felipe never really stalls. I mean, he always kind of goes at people. Um it's going to be a really good one. Craig's issue in the past has been he's just he's had a couple of really boring matches with guys not trying to engage. But I don't think he's going to have an issue with this one. But I really want to talk about the trolling that Craig did uh, today because he released a video talking about the match. And it was really just a nine-minute video of him kind of saying F you to Gordon Ryan. And I got to say, I've been off social media the past week, so I, I don't know if this has changed or not. I just I like to take my Instagram breaks. You guys know that I've announced in the past, like, hey, I'm off Instagram. I'll usually take like a month off, then I'll pop back on, and I'll find myself back down that spiral, uh, you know, back down the rabbit hole of of looking at Instagram too much, and then I'll be like, all right, I'm done with it. But anyways, I feel like Gordon Ryan has been the quietest he's ever been. Really, after the Nicky Rod, um, you know, he had the call out of Nicky Rod and the Nicky Rod's test results coming back, kind of verifying that he at least has been natural for a while now. It doesn't mean that he never took steroids. That didn't prove that, but it definitely proved that he at least isn't doing tons of performance-enhancing drugs within the past six months to a year. But Gordon's been really quiet. And Craig came out, and this was probably the most trolling video Craig's done because it really went at Gordon's skill. It went after Gordon's career. Now, Gordon, I think of all the things to get under Gordon's skin. I think you can talk about Gordon's dead dad and you can talk about his relationship with Nikki, like horrendous things, like things that are like very hit close to home. And I think that he gets more infuriated and like the thing that that bothers him the most is when people talk about his career. If you say he's not the goat, if you say he's not the best, if you say he's not number 1, that hurts him more than anything else you could say. You could talk about his girlfriend sleeping. That's always the big thing you'll see on these like forums and stuff. Gordon's girlfriend slept with this. That's the rumor. Like she slept with that guy or this guy or who I don't think he cares about that. But if you talk about his jujitsu and you talk about his matches, he has complete meltdowns. And so Craig, in this video, you guys can go to YouTube, the BT channel, and watch it. But he go he goes pretty hard at Gordon. 
And Gordon's been really inactive this year because it's kind of hard for Gordon to talk because, let's be honest, sports is about what you've done most recently. Yes, Gordon is still the best grappler in the world. Yes, Gordon double-golded last year at ADCC, but everybody's kind of starting to complain a little bit. Like, where's Gordon been? He said he was going to do 12 matches. He signed a 12-fight deal with Flo or to do 12 jiu-jitsu matches with Flo, and he hasn't done any of them. He was supposed to have a rematch with Felipe Pena. Felipe agreed, and then he backed out. He dropped out. And that's kind of the last we've heard of him. Like, what's going on? Now, supposedly there's some things in the works for Gordon. Who knows? But I, just, I feel like he's been real quiet. But Craig was going on there and just saying, like, hey, like this is my chance to become the number one grappler because Felipe is the number one grappler because he made Gordon back out before he even stepped on the mats. He's 3-1 and one against Gordon Ryan. He's the Gordon Slayer. He was talking about the whole grease thing, how there's a grease clause, and how that anybody that complains about opponents, like, look, I've done in the past, there's been a couple times I've complained about guys greasing, but in all honesty, I feel like I look like an idiot. Anybody that complains about greasing is just having trouble making grips and they're getting frustrated, and so they make silly complaints. Talks about... Gordon's stomach issues. He talks a lot about Gordon. It's mostly about Gordon, not Philippe. And so I'll be interested to see or really hear from from others, from you guys and, and from people in the gym, because anytime Gordon goes off, like goes AWOL, I hear about it. Whether I look or not, like you just kind of hear about it whenever Gordon goes off the rails. So I'll be interested to hear. Does Gordon finally respond to this? And what is Gordon's next move? And really, if Craig beats Felipe, that'll be a really big win for his career. Now, Craig is he's nowhere near like the GOAT conversation, but Craig's accomplished a lot. And he really is on the on the the backside of his career. And he was even saying in this video that, like, hey, I'm coming out of retirement. I just, I really haven't had any desire to compete again, but this Felipe match is a really big deal, and I think he knows that this is this is a big one. And a win here would be huge. Like if he could go one and zero and have a better record against Felipe than Gordon, that's something he could always do because he has zero percent chance of coming back and ever riding that right. Like he's lost three times to Gordon Ryan, so he would have to beat Gordon three times to just tie that series four to get the bragging rights. But in his mind, if he does some MMA math and he's like, look, he's going to be saying that, hey, Felipe's 3-1 and one against you. Yes, it's really just 2-1, and one, but he's like, look, like you backed out of that match week of. You backed out because you were scared, yada, 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 right? Like that's a loss. You didn't even show up. You tapped out before you even got there. So you're 3-1, and one, which to me is ridiculous, right? Gordon's 2-1. and one, But Craig knows it gets under his skin, and it's kind of funny. He's three and one. I'm, he's three and one against you, and I'm one and zero oh against him. So that means I'm by MMA math better than you. Yeah, you got three wins over me, but I got so we're at least equal. And Craig doesn't really believe that, right? But he knows that it gets under Gordon's skin. And at the end of the day, how do you win an argument? You make the other guy react. You get the other guy emotional. You get the other guy not thinking straight, and you win. That's just the way of it. How many times have you made an ass of yourself because somebody found that thing that drives you crazy and that can really frustrate and make you mad and make you kind of lose your mind? 
It's happened to me a many a times. Thankfully, the older I get, <laughs> the wiser I've become. And I try not to like let my ego and just really let things get to me like that. But man, I had a little bit of Gordon Ryan in me where if somebody was like critique or like talk about my training or like kind of, I feel like kind of disrespect my jujitsu, like that would drive me and yeah, it would make me so mad. And so I can vibe a little bit with what Gordon's got going on. Not to the extent Gordon does it, but I can understand. Nowadays, definitely not nothing like that. But yeah, I think, you know, Craig knows that like this will be just another ammunition in the gun. And it just seems like the B team, whatever happened in Puerto Rico, they're trying to they're trying to end Gordon Ryan. They're trying to make that dude have a heart attack, I think. Last thing I want to say. Me and one of my students, well, I should say one of my one of my guys challenged me. He wants to get back on his diet. And he's a guy that got onto the carnivore diet. One of the, the people that he listens to my podcast a lot. And I remember I was actually out to dinner with him. And I ordered a steak. All I got was a steak at this restaurant. And he was kind of blown away. He was like, hey, like, what, what's with just getting a steak? And I said, I was like, no, nah, I, I really, I only eat meat. And this is when I was like hardcore carnivore. And he was like, what do you mean you only eat meat? And I was like, yeah, I only eat meat. Like, it's the type of diet. It's called the carnivore diet. And he gave it a try, and he lost, I think, 70 pounds on it. And it's the best he's ever felt. Well, much like most of human, the human population, once you kind of get off it, you have all the success right. Once you kind of get off track a little bit, it gets harder and harder to stay on track. And so he's been off track for, for about six months now, and he was looking for a little bit of motivation and so he's kind of challenged me to get back at it and I have modified the carnivore diet for myself and for me I really feel like I need the car like fruit especially I need lots of fruit in my diet and I really uh, don't have any issues with like potatoes and um, like rice so I'm not too worried about that. My big thing is that I'm going to be really trying to stay away from vegetable oils. That's the big thing I've really been trying to stay away from. I'm doing a lot of research and listening to a lot of guys talk about the dangers of these vegetable oils. And I know like we've had multiple people because Brandon's went out to Costa Rica. So guys, this is insane because Brandon has went out to Costa Rica and he's done multiple seminars out there. And it was either him or Lindsay. They were telling me, that I believe it's palm oil is one of the main exports from Costa Rica. They sell it to the United States. Well, it is illegal to use in food in Costa Rica, but yet it's their biggest export, but they're not allowed to use it there. So you do not sell palm oil in Costa Rica. Instead, what they do is they ship it to the United States. And there's a lot of countries like that, right? I think that's like one of the big things is the oils that they use in their food. And there's just studies have shown that when these vegetable oils are introduced to cultures, you can look a decade later at the effects it has on people's health. And it's shocking. I mean, everything from can especially like cancer rates and just obesity and heart disease, all of it goes through the roof. It, it, it goes 
through the roof. And I remember I was listening. It might have been Paul Saladino was talking about this, but somebody was talking about when Japan introduced vegetable oils into their culture and just how it affected the country's health over the following couple of decades. And it was just mind-blowing to me. So anyways, I know Paul Saladino and some of the other you know, guys in that sphere talk about like the number one thing you could take out are vegetable oils. So that's the big thing I'm trying to eliminate. And honestly, if you just take all vegetable oils, you're basically taking out almost everything. <laughs> because you go to the store, you cannot find. Just try and find a bag of chips without vegetable oil. It's almost impossible. Right? It's basically impossible. Try and find, like, you can't find a candy bar. You can't even find, like, a health bar. There's maybe, like, one or two. I think, like, RX bars are, like, the only ones that don't have any oils in them. So that's what I'm on right now. Um, I'll let you guys know how it goes. I've been doing it for a couple weeks now. Feel good. We'll see. Until next time, guys, I love and appreciate you. Peace.